So we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We've been in this, this letter of Paul, and uh, we continue in that. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 12, going to verse 23. We're reading from the NRSV version of the Bible this morning. Starting in verse 12, we read, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified of God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Woo! Resurrection! Here we go. Talk about resurrection this morning. So the question of what's here for us to wrestle with is kind of an old one, right? Like we there's a lot going on in this text. We don't one of the things you and I wanted to make sure that we said this morning was we are very committed to not playing fast and loose with this idea of resurrection because it's much more than an idea. It's not to us simply an abstract concept or um, just a metaphor as some of our um, you know fellow Christians have made it seem um, but it's also way more complicated about it and while we don't well, complicated we while we don't need to agree on it we definitely need to talk about it like it's not something we can just leave to the side right yeah yeah and, uh, well without resurrection we don't have Easter and I take Easter pretty seriously so you take it seriously and personally. Yes, That's very right. much. And, and one of the, the central tenets of this conversation is um, some of the assumptions that Christians make about resurrection and maybe even some of the arguments that Paul makes in this text. Um, mm -hmm. We think the reality of resurrection has to be way more interesting than just um, your body gets reinvented in a new way. So I want to, let's wrestle with that and see what the problem and the issue is at hand. Um, I know one of the things that came to mind um, throughout the week as we were looking at this text was how often the church gets stuck on the mechanics of bodily resurrection. Like Paul makes these arguments about, well, if this didn't happen to Christ, then it can't happen to us. And that all, you know, seems to really resonate. Um, but do you have any thoughts about well, what that looks like? So we, we were talking about 
part of our conversation that we won't get into this morning, but part of our conversation before this had to do with problematic Paul, right? Love Paul, but, and, and, and even in this particular letter, in the last week's sermon that Courtney and her dad did when they talk about 1 Corinthians 13, ooh, give me 1 Corinthians 13. Give me that all day. It's beautiful. It's rich theology. It's all about love. It's read at all kinds of weddings. Love me some 1 Corinthians 13. And then we get to this and we're like, oh, Paul, Paul, what are you doing here? Oh, man, now this got complicated, right? Um, but I want to give Paul the benefit of the, of the doubt in a couple of ways. First of all, we, we need to recognize that he's pointing out the importance of bodies in, in, in a sense. Uh, part of the argument that he's combating is that we are disembodied souls, that soul and body are two different things. And, and that's led to problems throughout the history of, of Christianity where people are just like, well, it doesn't matter what happens to my body. It doesn't matter what happens to the earth. We're all going to float off into the ether to this heavenly realm anyway. This is just a shell that I'm in. It's not really me. And Paul's argument is, in essence, that's not true. Resurrection has to do with your body in some way. So I want to, I don't want to um, discount that argument because Paul can often be dualistic in his thinking. So I want to give him kudos here for not being dualistic and for saying bodies are important. That begs the question that we won't tackle today, why are bodies important? But I, I think it's an important question to wrestle with. Uh, also, this is not new for Paul, this argument um, about bodily resurrection is as you pointed out in our conversation, this is the difference between Sadducees and Pharisees is this argument about actual bodily resurrection. And that Paul is a Pharisee, grew up as a Pharisaic Jew, and he uh, was trained in that. And so his argument is bodily resurrection absolutely is real. And he has a back, like the backing now of the experience with Christ, right? So he's kind of using Jesus as evidence for something that he, in some ways, may have already believed. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So again, want to give Paul the benefit of the doubt. And yet, um, whereas at one at one time in my life, and I'm just going to speak for me personally, I would have read this text, read it quite literally, as many people do, and I would have found this to be. Um, reassuring uh, bodily resurrection the idea of bodily resurrection to me uh, was would give me hope in the face of death um, that we're we all get to make a comeback <laughs> we all get in uh, the next ver we get a 2.0 right we love um, a comeback yeah exactly like we love a sequel <laughs> well sometimes <laughs> but uh, if I'm honest now um, this text is actually unsettling. And the idea of bodily resurrection, as I once would think about it and understand it, um, is, is unsettling to me. Uh, as I mentioned, I, I love Easter. I, okay, I'm going to get real. Uh, <laughs> what I, what's unsettling is it doesn't totally make sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, because it is a, the way I at least thought of it was like, no, we all come back. Even 
those who have been cremated, somehow they get reshaped and reformed and made into bodies that are back and we're all back on this planet. What's unsettling about it now is that that doesn't totally make sense to me. I don't know how it works. Um, and, and this is gonna sound really silly and I don't mean to be like um, trite or light with this, but, but we don't have enough room for everyone. Isn't that dumb? It's the kind of thing I'm looking at is like, that would get really crowded. Your and, logical brain starts going yeah. and you can't wrap it around this idea. Right. It, because if we're all, if it's bodily resurrection, and I also believe in, in new heaven and new earth, um, but if we're all back here in this space, I don't get how it works. Um, and also the idea of there being like just me 2.0 resurrected me uh, that's not very interesting to me it's just not anymore i don't um i actually want to i'm into the mystery of resurrection more now than i was i i think there's more to understand or not understand about resurrection and to me that's what's compelling now, just settling on the idea of, yep, we're all making a comeback. See you later. At some point, we're all coming back in a 2.0 version, and it's going to be the HD version. It's going to be awesome. Um, that's not very compelling to me. No, um, it's, it's not compelling. It's also like, you know, we can get caught up in this weird, uh, tricky place of like, well, whose bodies are better? And what is better about which bodies yeah. and how do you improve somebody? And it gets, for me, it gets very uncomfortable because I, I mean, I trust God knows, yeah. but I don't trust us to know. And so I get very uncomfortable with us trying to parse out like what that will be like. Um, right. Because we're yeah. very bad at judging those things as human beings. Yes. And, and because all of that, yes, yes, yes. I also... There's more to resurrection than bodily resurrection. There has to be. It's, it's bigger. It's, it, um, it means something more. And also, I'm, I'm inclined to want to live resurrection now. I want, an, I want resurrection hope now. I don't want to wait for, like, after the dirt nap. I'm not, that's not what I, I'm, I want. I want to live into that now and... Um, you were talking about that. This is yeah, my handoff to talk about. I have some thoughts about that. Um, I mean, as you know, like, I didn't grow up with a background that would point me in the direction of um, a literal reading of this text. And, and yet, weirdly, my background kind of makes me feel much more comfortable with it than what you just described. Like, your logical brain is like, no, this doesn't make any sense. And mine goes... Yeah. I mean, I grew up with scientists. Everybody in my family is in a science background in some way. Uh, my parents were. And for me, I was taught that there's like a clear and definite cycle to the cosmos that, you know, there's resurrection everywhere that like, that's what compost is, right? Yeah. That yeah. Um, matter is never, and can neither be created nor destroyed. Like the cycle of life and then death, and then life again, happens all across the world on every molecular and cosmic level. Um, mm -hmm. And so like my understanding is 
nothing really ever dies in some way when also literally everything does right like the one great truth is we're all gonna die but yeah, it's both um, and. totally both and it's totally yeah. both and but when you look at it from the the really atomic level and also from the larger like universal level it's like the only fundamental law that's true in both faith and science and so for me i read this text and i'm like sure bodily resurrection I don't know what it'll look like. I don't know what it means in the long run. Like I, I don't have any control over what the outcome is, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And so in my mind, instead of a one-time thing, which is sort of how I think Paul articulates it. I don't think Paul's in line with all of scripture about this because I think like Genesis and a couple of, you know, major places across the textual history, we see resurrection as an ongoing process but um mm. like i see it as ongoing i see it as constant um it's way more than an after death thing like you were talking about um but jesus's part in it for me is where it gets really interesting because he ends up then and i don't mean this metaphorically like i don't mean it as a oh he's just a representative or a model i mean it like truly He's like yeah. a sign and a symbol and a real enacting then of what God has been saying all along, which is like, death's not in charge around here, right? He's the, he is literally the embodiment of that idea. He's literally the embodiment of that idea. And so um, that's where I kind of find healing and hope and opportunity in this idea of mystery that you're bringing up because... Also, you know, we were, we were just talking about bodies and like, do they, do they matter in this? Like, what's the, what do they matter? Um, we were talking around Easter time with the Emmaus text that, um, you know, even after Jesus is resurrected, he's not fixed. Right. He's yeah. still got wounds and scars and he's still, he still died. Like it was a real death and he was still hurt. And so for me in this like resurrection conversation that has a lot of important information in it because that we it just means that we can't assume like oh 2.0 right right i don't know if if that is too woo woo oh. or if it i think i think i have just like you do like scriptural background for all of that and and yeah absolutely and i to me it's so much richer, so much more compelling than where I, where I originally would go, would have gone with this text than just, um, just, just bodily resurrection, right? Bodily resurrection is, I, I, the, the idea of it is, is hopeful and beautiful in many, many ways. So I don't want to dismiss that, but there's, there's more to it. It's beyond just bodily yeah. resurrection. It's, 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 and that instead mm -hmm. of only that or whatever the argument, cause we get so, it's so curious in this conversation, you know, we see it with, oh my gosh, we see it all through history when people argue about, well, what does it mean and what happens? And we get like, so in the practical details that we forget about the meaning of it, which is really yeah. Interesting. So I'm curious, like, what's up with resurrection, Andy? What does it mean? 
Oh, just an easy one. Just let's throw just, me a soft Let's question. just answer the question for all time so that uh, we can stop having crusades about this. Um, so this is, this is what I would say. There is both a concrete of an embodied reality to resurrection. That's pointed to in scripture. But there's also a mystery. There's also a beyondness in resurrection, even in the resurrection of Christ. Because as you point out, he comes back and the scars are still there and the wounds are still there. So he's still um, that body, that imperfect hurt body that carries all the stories that the, those scars show. That's real. Um, there's a reason he said to Thomas, touch the scars, feel it's real. But there's also a mystery even in his resurrection because dudes like walking through doors, disappearing, just like, and then, then we get to the ascension piece eventually. And what happened there? We don't know. Like there's an, there's an unknown to it as well. And to me, those things sitting side by side yeah. is beautiful and hopeful. Um, it's yes, bodily resurrection and embodied resurrection is fantastic. It's great. But the idea that there's mystery, there's something beyond that uh, is better to me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I think it points to the idea that we have, you know, Paul opens this conversation with the early church, which is like this diverse group of people with all these different backgrounds coming with all these different philosophies and theologies, right? And he's like lobbing this into the room and saying, here's where, here's my argument. Um, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's sort of right, maybe he's sort of wrong. But for sure, and I think what you're saying points to this, we know more than Paul did about the way the world works. Yes. And he had like, he had the eyes of faith. And I think that he, he knew a lot more about how the world worked then than we do now, but um, he didn't live in our world or our context. And so I think that there's a more um, beautiful, complicated and difficult way to interpret this text that actually points more toward what you're saying, which is like, actually it's, kind of great if it's not super clear like jesus wasn't super clear this matches mm-hmm. right um yeah. And, yeah. and it takes us beyond like something you said the other day to me which has stuck with me a lot uh, it takes us beyond the point of well everything that is life is good and everything that is death is bad so if it includes mm-hmm. death then we need to skip past it immediately and get right into life again um what we're talking about and especially around mystery and cycles allows for death to be a part of the plan um, in a way that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. Paul doesn't really allow. He's like, no, if you're dead, you're dead. Like then you're just well, a liar and sin still happened. And all of this is untrue and it's all mm-hmm. garbage. If this didn't happen, it's all garbage. And it's like, well, there's more to this than that, right? I don't know if I'm reading too no, much. No, I, I love it. I, I also, the piece that I'll, I'll bring in here as well is the reason why I find it more compelling, another reason why I find it more compelling to embrace the mystery of resurrection alongside actual embodied resurrection is that it, it, then it's not just about us. 
It's not just about me. If it's, if it's just about me making a comeback, then it becomes about, well, gee, I wonder where, where I'll be and who will be with me and who do I get to talk to and, and how will I look and where will I, and all those kinds of things. It, it's the focus then becomes me and my resurrection, right? Versus um, the, the mystery include, encompasses everyone. Because every, like you said, everyone is going to experience this. And to think about what does that mean not just for me, but for all of us to me is so much more, so much more compelling. You know, I talked about the, the Buddhist image of, uh, of the ocean and waves coming up on the beach for a short period of time. Now that is our experience in life. And then a receding back into the fullness and oneness of everything. Um, to me that I'm like, Oh, I don't, I want to check my ego on the whole resurrection piece. And I'm interested in the oneness that is resurrection. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's kind of woo. We're saying woo a lot. Maybe resurrection just leads you to say woo. It takes you there because it's such an unknown. And I, I think that yeah. you have to admit some humility in this because there's no way that anybody is right. Um, mm -hmm unless completely by accident, right? Like we can get maybe close, but um, there's something really that gives me hope about what you're saying, because what it means is that in death, before resurrection happens in this particular way, or before we even talk, talk about afterlife, which we won't talk about today because it's a separate kind of, it's a connected but separate thing. Like it means that for me, when I think about death, it, it's it's more connected to life than um, we often say it is, and it doesn't it doesn't finish it. It's not the last word. It has it has not won in any sense. God has done that, and life has done that. But it means that death makes sense as part of our process, which for me gives me some comfort. Um, yeah, I mean, you said something the other day about death not shattering oneness. It brings us back to oneness, and it's the that, yeah. that image of the waves is really helpful because of that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where, um, so I, you know, Krista having just passed, um, I love the idea of a bodily resurrection because absolutely I'd love to see Krista right now. It'd be great to have a conversation with Krista right now. And at the same time, that's, I feel that that's sort of a little selfish because if she's a part of resurrection hope now in a way that's bigger and mysterious and beautiful, if she's a part of the communion of saints now, which I truly believe that's the case. And I can't even comprehend what that communion of saints is like. Um, that to me, that resurrection hope, I would never want to deprive her of that. Right. Um, and, and at the same time, I also want to live that kind of hope now. Right? Yeah. and create that kind of oneness as best we can now. Yeah. Um, you, you wrote this down in our notes, and I have to give you credit for it, um, because it's my favorite thing that we've said about resurrection, and you said it. You said when it comes to resurrection, you can count on it, but you just can't control it. And I, to me, that like nails it. When it comes to resurrection, uh, we don't know, but we can hope in it anyway. 
and that to that that kind of that kind of truth I can live into. Yeah. I can hold on. I mean, I think that's really good news, right? It's actually mm-hmm. good news. It's hard, but it's good. What what other good news is in this text for you? Well, I mean, it's the it's uh, just the language that we use around Easter shows up here too. That that um, sin and death don't win. They're not the winners. Um, and we we need to say that every Easter, and we need to say it every week. We need to say it maybe every day, especially now when death is all around us. When that number keeps ticking up past ninety thousand, we need to be reminded that that's not the final say, that there is mysterious hope beyond death. Death doesn't win the day. Um, And the other piece of good news is that we don't know what that hope looks like fully. Um, And we can, like, I don't fully jive with what Paul's saying here anymore, or it's different to me. And the good news is that's okay, because we don't, we don't have to prove anything about it. Again, um, we don't have to prove anything about resurrection. Uh, it, we can live into the mystery. To me, that's good news. I don't have to have certainty. That's good news for me. Death and sin and death don't win. Um, and I don't know how fully they're defeated. I can just trust that that's true. I guess that isn't really complicated theology. It's just, but it's good to me. I don't know. What do you, where, where are I you don't, at? I don't think theology has to be complicated to be good, right? So if, if, the, if the only thing that we all learn from this life is um, that sin and death and evil don't have the last word, grace yeah. does, I think that will have been enough theology for our entire lives, right? Yeah, and that grace is a mystery, and and that's beautiful. Yep. And you don't know, so don't say you know when you think you know. <laughs> Those <Yeah>. two lessons. <laughs> well, yeah. we, we have some we have some questions for our people about this. Um, I'm super curious about what people think because I know that our folks are have a lot of diverse backgrounds and a lot of diverse learning and. Um, and probably have a lot of different experiences about resurrection and stories they can tell. So um, the questions that we have for them this week to wrestle with over um, either the questions of the people time after prayers or just in their own time during the week is, one, what is your personal hope for resurrection and what's to come after life? What does that mean and look like to you? Um, Yeah. What? Yeah, can you put a little bit around that question? Uh-huh. It just, I'm just going to say this piece. To me, some people, um, it's hopeful to have an image of, I'm going to one day see my grandma again, and we're going to have tea. Yep. And that's beautiful and hopeful. And I do not want, in this whole conversation, I don't want to deprive people of that. If that's oh, no. something that gives you hope, I'm not going to tell you that's wrong. Um, but I'm curious about what is that picture for you? Yeah. What is it like? I have um, my own pictures of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, and the second question is a little bit of a check on the first one, which is, will it matter if you're right or wrong? Yeah. 
Uh, and how will that matter? And then um, a follow-up to think about as you're having these conversations with one another is how does it sit with you to know, and you can be certain that this is true, how does it sit with you to know that other people have a completely different picture of this than you do? Mm -hmm. uh, so it gets at, at, at all of the conversation that we had. Um, we'll post these questions on the, on the Facebook page so you can have access to them as well and remember them. Um, but we're, we're glad to start this conversation or continue it in this Easter season. And, um, you know, I know Andy, I'll speak for you as well as myself. Uh, we miss you guys. We miss all of you very, very much and look forward to a time when we can be in person again. But for now, uh, we want you to stay safe and stay home so that um, we can do no harm and do good uh, for one another and our neighbors. So Andy, would you like to sing the benediction this morning before we bless them out uh, into, into the work that they have ahead of them this week? Yep, let me sing our, actually, I'm going to pray first, and then I'll sing. Cool? Great. Bye. Loving God, I thank you for this conversation, which is just the beginning of a conversation that encompasses the fullness of our life. Um, we, we will continue to be talking about this and wrestling with this central tenet of our faith that is resurrection. Thank you for your grace that covers all of that conversation and all of that thinking. And thank you for the hope that is ultimately there in all of it. That indeed, sin, death, evil, do not have the last word. That we have hope in light and life and love and peace now and beyond. We give you thanks for that. We pray this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen. Amen. All right. Receive this as a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace. Stay home in peace to love and serve the Lord. Miss you, love you, bye. Um, all right, let's do this. <clears throat> la, 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 la. <laughs> Sorry. It's too many Zoom meetings. <laughs> um, Prayers of the People continues to be at 10 a.m. Uh, starting, um, or, you're going to have to cut this out. I'm going to start over. Hold on. Good Lord, what is happening? I can't even talk. Okay. It's short. <laughs> the thing is, you're on a roll there. We should do, we should do like three, two, one, and then you can cut. Um,
like the radio people. All right, anyway. Take two. 